today's reading is John 1, verses 9 through 14, 1 John 3, 1 and, 1 and 2. It can be found on your screen. This is God's word. John 1, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. 1 John 3, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our God of grace, as we bring different experiences to this morning. The truth is we're all more of a mess than we care to admit. And we need your grace. So thankfully this fantastic story of scripture tells us over and over again that even though we're more of a mess than we care to admit, we're more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. Um, in a troubled world, in a broken world, in stressful times, amidst gratitude, thanksgiving for new life, or amidst the challenges of death and suffering and illness, we come to you and we seek you to orient our lives through how you speak to us as your church. So whether we've, we've never considered words of yours in the past or whether it's a lifelong habit to come and listen for your voice. Would you meet us now with your grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, there's a, a verse that really summarizes the what we're doing with our sermons, with our scripture lessons these weeks. Because it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Each week, we're kind of taking an issue that, and letting God reorient and transform our view of it uh, in a way that is more of God's view or the gospel view of it. And this week, we are dealing with the issue of parenting. The timing is impeccable. Um, but I, I want to challenge you also not just to be listening for God's voice in this in terms of, parents with kids and and as parents and and especially if you're single you might be like oh this is a week that is a um you know what a downer it's parents sunday and you know i'm not a parent so i can just check out and log off the call no 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 uh, we also need to listen to this in terms of being children of parents so there's definitely different ways we can hear god's voice today so let me just 
just uh, start by saying that, yeah, of course, the punchline of this week is two new babies coming into our community. We just got introduced uh, to little Jay there, the chunkster, and, um, and Todd. But I think about a season, a long season lately of, of different ones that I think of the most recent season of little ones coming into our life, going all the way back to when Elijah Nelson came into our community, um, the arrival of Everly, uh, Hammy, um, Augustine, Artemis, um, even little Favi, uh, Victoria's niece, who's been on the call before. Um, all these little ones who have been the most recent additions to our community. And what happens is this, when, a, when parents have a baby, they enter into this world now where there's this squirming, burping little creature that is basically giving them this huge pressure of, oh my goodness, I have to keep this thing alive. You know, it's all on me is how it feels. And then they enter into each of these phases. And at each phase, there's new challenges of, well, am I doing it right? Am I being the perfect parent? Um, and it starts out even before the baby gets there. There's the nursery equipment. You know, suddenly this other friend posts their nursery on Instagram and it's way better or it's completed way in advance of yours. And you say, I'm, I'm a failure already, right? My, my children are going to be total failures because of me. And then you enter in once the child's there, there's all these stages, you know, maybe it's the baby wise versus attachment parenting phase. Um, and then it goes on and on and I'll save you all the, the phases because um, if you go through them, you'll know. But eventually you think, oh, it'll stop, right? Once they can go to the bathroom by themselves and whatever else, it's good. But no, I can tell you that it keeps on going. And it goes even into later life when suddenly maybe your 30 or 40 year old child brings home their fiance and you take one look at that fiance and you say, I have failed, right? <laughs> I mean, it, I'm just being real, it happens. You know, so all through life as a parent, it never ends this journey of potential evaluating yourself De moments of desperation where the self recrimination is right there in front of you. So in this book, Seculosity that we, that we were reading, I think about a year ago, we were talking a lot about this book. This is what um, David Zoll says. I remember waking in a panic one morning after reading an article about how toddlers should be read to for at least an hour a day. We read books before bed, but a full hour? No way. The rest of the day, instead of actually listening to my kids, every interchange turned into an evaluation of their linguistic development. My obvious disappointment in their less than impressive vocabularies matched only by the festival of recrimination going on in my head. When evening rolled around, I announced the new hour-long story time policy thus adding an element of stress to what was supposed to be their wind-down period. Needless to say, the whole situation proved so exhausting that I fell asleep 10 minutes in, only to be awoken a couple hours later by my oldest son, who was a nightmare about me being mad at him. <laughs> There's one, one parent's little snapshot of the journey of trying to hold up the parenting perfection 
It's like we use parenting achievement as a yardstick of human worth. And you might be, again, you might be, you might need to hear this in terms of how you look at your parents. You might, you might be holding out love and holding grudges because of your parents' failure to be there for you, or maybe the failure of even having the kind of parents you thought you, you, you should have had. Um, and so you're using, you know, this yardstick of perfection towards your parents, or of course, you're using it if you are a parent. It's the myth of the perfect parent. And, you know, when people build and design a bridge, of course, I'm a layman at this. I don't really have any inside scoop, but I imagine that they have this moment where they calculate the load, right? The max load of the bridge. Um, I'm sure they don't call it that, but, you know, again, I'm not an engineer. Well, the human heart cannot withhold, cannot sustain the weight and the freight of the perfect parent myth. The, what can also be called the parenting industrial complex that you enter into once you hear the first little cries of that little one in your home. And so we listen to scripture, we listen to God, God's grace, the voice of the gospel, really doing this kind of shift in us today, that the gas in my tank, the gas in my life's tank will not be parental achievement. Say that again, the gas in my life's tank will not be my parental achievement. It won't be my parents' achievement in raising me or being there for me. But the gospel turns us towards this. The gas in my life's tank will be the only, the parental achievement of the only perfect parent that there is in God's parenting of us and of us as God's children. And so our passages um, draw us towards this. John, you heard those words. He says, to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's our identity, if you're a Christian. And then we hear uh, probably the same writer in 1 John saying, Dear friends, now we are children of God. Or just a verse before that, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And, you know, if you, if you scan through scripture, you'll find these fun little places where this theme is brought to light with very amazing images. Jesus says in Luke 11, talking about prayer, he says, which of you fathers, if your sons ask for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And then probably one of the most evocative um, images in Isaiah 49, this is one of my favorite places to think about God's parenting of us, where it says in verse 15 of chapter 49 of Isaiah, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And then it says this, though she may forget, I will not forget you. So this is, this is God's image, God's message to us and how to think about God, how to imagine God as this perfect parent, how everything is okay because we rest in the parenting hands 
of our loving God and Father. And so how does this affect us? How does this change us? How does this identity-forming thing set us on a new path in our lives? Well, I think it affects us in how we treat our parents and how we look at our kids. Um, there's this book called, um, let me see if I can find, it, find the reference to it here. It's this book by a couple of authors, and it's about parenting as a Christian. It's by Elise Fitzpatrick and Jessica Thompson. And the title of the book is Give Them Grace, Dazzling Your Kids with the Love of Jesus. And I mean, the title itself is enough. But here's, here's the quote. We are partners with our children because we are just like them dearly loved sinners. At the deepest level of what we do as parents, we should hear the heartbeat of a loving, grace-giving father who freely adopts rebels and transforms them into loving sons and daughters. And so what must our, what, what, what do our kids really need? What must our kids see in us or in their parents? If they're following Jesus, I think they need to see parents who are not surprised that they failed yet again. That they need to see parents that are not suffering under the weight of the stress of perfectionism, but are living in the relief of grace. And, you know, parents of children, your children will feel those moments when you are living under the stress of perfectionism and they'll feel the difference when you're living under the relief of grace that your kids don't rest in the end in your hands as a perfect parent there's only one perfect parent and if you're you know if you're leaning into your own perfectionism as a parent then you're not then you've long ago given up leaning on God as their parent you can't do both so our kids need to see this, and they also need to see um, parents who are practiced at staring at their shortcoming and practiced at accepting God's grace. Of course, our parents need to see this from us as well. How does this affect your relationship towards your parents or your lack of parents or your struggle with their parenting over you? How does your identity as first and foremost a child of the perfect Father in heaven the perfect parent, how does that identity um, bring new life to your relationship with your very imperfect parents? And so the question for all of us is, are, are you daily rooted in your identity of being a child of God? Or are you trying to root it in being a perfect parent? What do your parents see in you? What do your kids see in you? Let's take a moment. I don't actually have one of those fancy little um, worksheets to pop up on the screen today. But let's just take a moment of silence um, where we're muted and we just reflect on for just a minute, just consolidate. How is the gospel of God's grace speaking to you this morning? And what do you need to take away from this? <laughs> 